Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Rolls on on a Thursday. Good to be back. It's also good to have a few days away and enjoying the holiday. Rod went down to Houston, and everybody wanted to uh, take pictures with the baby. Yes, sir. Your phone is now full of pictures. You need what you say? You need a new. You need a new phone, or you need a new plan for your phone. No, it's I need like a new phone. Got new. Need more memory and I whatnot. Need more memory, yeah. My memory's done. It's just <laughs> Washington stuff, baby stuff, pretty much on my phone. So I got. I got to get new phone. I'm not getting rid of my my content, my material. Got to save it all. You got too much in there. Save it all. I got too much good stuff, especially the baby's photos. So I'm not getting rid of them. Just gonna get a new phone. I need a new memory anyway. Hey, you can also can download it onto memory sticks and those kind of things. That's too. what the cloud's for. Sure the, yeah, I don't even know how the cloud works. I'll help you out with that. It's oh, like 99 what? cents a month. We'll get you some more memory. Uh, no, I got the cloud. Everybody has the cloud. I don't know how it works. I don't know how to access it. I don't even know really what it does. I don't know where it is. Like, I don't know. It's up in the clouds. It, exactly. I've no, I've, nobody really knows anything about how the cloud works. They just know that the cloud is there. You need to pay for the cloud. That's it. Can you know how to access the cloud? Can I know how to retrieve all my stuff from the cloud? Everything that's on your phone on the photos, it's not actually on your phone. It's just in the cloud. (laughs) That's the way I understand it. Exactly. Everybody understands the cloud. I don't know if the cloud, it's in the cloud. So you just know that it's never lost. It's in the cloud. This is how guys are getting caught cheating, too, because it's all in the cloud. Your your wife has, and your women have access to that cloud. The cloud, I, I think it's, I don't know. I don't like the cloud. It's too much mystery about the cloud. It's too vague. When you've seen the have these Hollywood actresses get their 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 nudie pics in yeah, the cloud, exactly. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Jennifer How Lawrence. They get it? It, was, it was in the cloud. Was in the cloud. Oh, Packed. they had it in the cloud. Packed. That's why it's <laughs> always it good to do like a quarterly purge of your of your camera roll, or at least for me as a young man. <laughs> well, yeah, if you got stuff like you and I ain't got nothing in mind that anybody wants other than <laughs> stats, nuggets. You got junk photos and photos. Uh, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't yeah, know. pictures of, that ladies have sent you that you've saved, and that's good stuff. But I'm past. <laughs> my wife don't send me stuff like that anymore. Yeah. We had those times when we first got together. Your we dad now. Stuff like that. Uh, yeah. She's she, a mama. She's a mama. She don't send them. Yeah, she may send photos, but they're not what they used to be. <laughs> Look what the baby did. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, the best word of advice my dad ever gave me is once you, he's like, once you post something on the internet, it's there forever. And that, that's and right. That, and that's, that's, that's even more true these days. That's the cloud. It's there. That's the cloud. It's, yeah. uh, lives, it lives, it lives in, in, uh, in all its glory or in infamy. You know what yeah, I mean? Whichever exactly one it might be. Right. All right, so a uh, lot to do this hour. Rod will have his first rant of two today. We'll also uh, talk, obviously, more Texas-Washington uh, next couple of days into Monday. It'll be uh, essentially a, a you know, four-day pregame, five-day pregame into the Longhorns yeah. and Washington in the Sugar Bowl as we get you ready for it. We've also talked about the uh, the two uh, 
portal, one portal and one high school edition that came in for the Longhorns while we were out on break. Uh, the Longhorns with 23 high school players to officially round out the early window. Also, the UTSA edge rusher, Trey Moore, nation's number one rated edge rusher in the portal, according to On3 Sports, chose Texas over the weekend um, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So the Horns are going to have 26 new players on their roster for 2024, and 21 of them, Rod, will be here in January, uh, which is just incredible yeah. as they're getting ready for this game. Also, we'll tell you, we'll be on live today and tomorrow. Also, Patrick Davis in the Sports Complex tomorrow, uh, this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon, full shows into the weekend. And then Monday morning we'll be out because it's New Year's Day, but uh, won't be on the morning show. But we will have a full pregame show. Yes, sir. Uh, and, you know, and, and coverage from New Orleans. want to thank our friends at Hayes City Store and Ice House and Taste on Main and Buta as our travel partners to get us to New Orleans and make sure this happens to get some live coverage. And it's uh, official now, Rod, right on, on that uh, Monday from 4 to 7. Um, ahead of the kickoff of Texas and, uh, and Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I will be my part of the pregame show with you and Patrick Davis back here. Uh, Ty and myself and uh, the crew will be at Manning's Restaurant Ooh, in New Orleans. Doing it big. Which is right over by Harrah's, the casino, if you know where yeah. that is, at the end of uh, Canal. Um, you know, the Mannings have a great sports bar and restaurant there. Of course um, they do. Archie, Archie Manning actually opened that. And it's a great spot, so we'll be there live. Uh, Bobby Burton and the On Texas football crew will be there as well, so we'll have a lot of fun. So if you're looking for a spot ahead of the game, get over to Manning's on, on uh, Monday, mm-hmm. and we'll be there getting you cranked up for that. And then, of course, on Tuesday morning, uh, you'll be here, but I'll be coming live from the, uh, uh, the, the Sugar Bowl and the, the media center and the main media hotel. So live coverage from New Orleans, taking you there to the Sugar Bowl if you're not going. Thanks to our friends at Hay City Store and Taste on Main in Buda, who will be telling you all about Got Ooh. to get out to a great dinner at uh, Taste on Main during my downtime, which was phenomenal. It's going to be a party going on. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. Yeah. It's New Orleans. It's New Year's. It's the Sugar Bowl, which is fun in itself. Ty's heading down there. Now you tell me. Now, now did you tell us, Ty, that you're, you're angling on trying to get to a pregame party, not, not at Manning's Restaurant, but at the Manning ho- home, the home of the Mannings? Is this right? Is this what, which, what I'm hearing? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Potentially? I'm, I'm trying to work myself in. I was told that <laughs> it's a pretty good chance uh, – you know the Taft family, the good family friends of mine, and that's that's where they will be pregaming. Taft daddy. So uh, uh, his older brother is one of my best friends. I've been known him for my entire life, pretty much. So I'm gonna try to make it there, do some wasted networking. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and as of right now, this Thursday morning, Ty, you still don't have a ticket to the game. No, I've been offered a few face value um, tickets. That's just you know, I, I, I it's gonna be a last minute call. I do have a friend that's bringing a wheelchair to New Orleans, and he has a plan to sneak into the game. And I, I don't know if I want to be part of that. Uh, I'll have to tell it. That might be a 10 o'clock story, his plan to get in. But it, it's we had an hour-long conversation yesterday, and it was him talking about, through a few different scenarios on, on how he's going to get into the game without paying for a ticket. Hold on. Man, he's going to use a wheelchair to do it? I mean, we're going full, committing to the bid here. Yeah, wow. yeah. You're going to use a potential, the perception of a disability. Yeah, this, this, get this might be over the line. That might be over the line. This way over the line. Okay, okay. No, man. Let me, let me that's pre- bad karma let, right let, there, let bro. Me preface that's bad this, karma. This guy. It's like, pra- it's, it's like, is that worse than parking in a, a, a handicap spot? Oh, no, <laughs> no, because you're not oh, you're not taking anything I, away from anybody at that point. You're just that is fair. What are you going to do with the wheelchair once you get in? You have to you Which, have to commit to it and stay yeah, in it the whole time. Yeah, but yeah, you can't pretending to have a disability. Come on. I don't know. This guy, he went up to Fort Worth for the TCU game this year, and he, I don't know if I believe him. He says he went through wow. a sewer and came out in the stadium. 
So Shawshank Redemption. This guy, he's one of the crazy. I've known him my entire life. He's one of the craziest people I know. So I don't doubt it. And I, I don't doubt that he's going to get in either. I don't think it'll work for me, but I'm sure it'll work for him. It might work for him. I mean, some people, it, you know, they they can pull off stuff like that. They, I, I don't think I have the confidence to go that. I used to be able to do stuff, like just be able to get into a club, but I've never faked the disability to get into stuff like that. I will say that wow. uh, the last time the Longhorns played for the national championship, and that, not, not, not the last time, the time they won the national championship last, 2005, oh, five, the 06 yeah. Rose Bowl. Man. My great friend uh, Tom Gimble, he used to be the, uh, the general manager at Austin City Limits Television, now living in New York. He finagled his way in. He didn't do it uh, that covert, <laughs> but he ended up because he couldn't get a ticket. Did he fake a disability? No, he he faked being one of the beer vendors. He somehow oh. got a hold of one because like, he didn't have a ticket, and That's he couldn't find him, find one. Like and that. right as the game was kicking off, he was uh. hanging around and found his way in as a beer vendor. That's I've seen a lot of people do that brilliant. for ACL. Like you that put on you put on brilliant. like a security vest or just one of those reflective vests. It's funny. It's one looking. of those. He was just thinking. He was looking for an angle, and he kind of just stumbled into it, and wow. it's like it worked. That's, you got to see the Rose Bowl. You know Bowl. what? I'm not going to lie. That's brilliant. Hey, and just that to clarify brilliant. to all the texters out there already railing me for, for this wheelchair thing. <laughs> Rightfully uh, so. Uh, you're not doing that. This is not my idea. I was just. And uh, you're not doing it. No, I am not doing it. This is one of my crazy this, friends the, here. But he oh, is. Wow. Uh, he's actually going to haul a wheelchair to. That was one of. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you all the ideas he had later. But it, that was just one of the many, many creative ideas he had to get into the game. Wow. Creative slash awful. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm awful, gonna say awful. awful, awful. Yeah, mm-hmm. this guy's like on the show Jackass or something. You know what I mean, I'm saying? I can say he's committing to it. Man, the wheelchair to, to get in there, and then oh, uh, you know what? I'm not even gonna talk about. I was like, what if he did get in? Does he stay in the wheelchair? Or is he gonna abandon the wheelchair? I think at that point you, you you abandon the wheelchair, right? You abandon <laughs> <laughs> mission accomplished. Right? Where are you gonna leave it? I was gonna commit to like. Give it to security. Uh, leave it in the bathroom. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you leave it in the stall. You go into the stalls, you know, into the handicapped stall, and I guess you just. But then leave it's in it the way when someone that's actually handicapped comes. That in. is true. I'm agreeing with you. Hey, listen, I'm, I don't know how to think like a sociopath here. I'm just trying. I think you're right about that. <laughs> hey, let's get to the headlines real quick. Then Rod will have a rant as we uh, find ways to finagle ourselves into the sugar bowl. Top Gun Rentals and Lana Quinn bring it to you. Start with college football. Third-ranked Longhorns have arrived in New Orleans for the final few days of on-site prep for their showdown with second-ranked Washington in the All-State Sugar Bowl. Of course, semifinal round of the college football playoff. We'll have much more on that coming up throughout the morning. Also, some college football, there were four bowl games yesterday. A pair of boons for the Big 12 down in Houston last night. Oklahoma State took down Texas A&M 41-23 in the Texas Bowl. Quarterback Alan Bowman for the Cowboys threw for 404 yards, a pair of touchdowns. Ollie Gordon ran for 118 yards and a score. Against a shorthanded Aggie team, only had uh, under 50 scholarship players dressed for that game last night. Also last night, USC top Louisville 42-28 in the Holiday Bowl. Uh, West Virginia rolled past uh, North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl 30-10, and Virginia Tech upset Tulane in the Military Bowl. Four more bowl games today, starting at 10 a.m. this morning. SMU will face Boston College at the Fenway Bowl in Beantown, Rutgers in Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl in New York, NC State meets K-State in the Pop-Tart Bowl in Orlando, and tonight, good game down in San Antonio, the always fun Alamo Bowl. 12th-ranked Oklahoma facing 14th-ranked Arizona. If you missed it on Tuesday night, congratulations to the Texas State Bobcats. They rolled it up on um, in the first responders bowl as the, uh, the Bobcats get their first ever bowl win, 45-21. to 21. Uh, Their linebacker, Brian Holloway, the fifth-year player, returned two interceptions for touchdowns. Also, Jamal Jeter. 
Ran for three scores in that game as they beat the Rice Owls and win their uh, bowl game. Then the NBA last night, Phoenix down Houston, 129-113. Dallas, the Mavericks lost at home to Cleveland, 113-110. How about the local product, Jared Allen, the lifetime Longhorn, uh, 24 points, 23 rebounds in that game. Earlier in the day, the uh, Mavericks were officially sold. NBA owners officially, officially approved the sale of controlling interest of the Mavericks from Mark Cuban to the family that runs the Las Vegas Sands Casino Company for somewhere in the neighborhood of $3.5 billion. College Hoops, fifth-ranked Texas women, finished their non-conference schedule a perfect 13-0 yesterday. They whipped Jackson State at the Moody Center 97-52. Roy Harmon did not play in that game with an undisclosed injury. Longhorns will open Big 12 Conference play on Saturday uh, afternoon, hosting 10th-ranked Baylor and NFL Week 16. Kicks off tonight in Cleveland. Joe Flacco and the resurgent Browns hosting the New York Jets. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho ho ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Um, we'll get into some uh, Texas, more Texas Washington discussion um, here coming up in Raj Round the Day. Uh, but can we talk about the Cowboys a little bit? Absolutely. Let's, because uh, NFL Week 16 does kick off tonight. Let's talk about uh, the Cowboys a little bit. Let's dive into Rod's rant. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Uh, all right, before we get back to uh, Texas versus Washington, so most of the show will be devoted to, uh, we got to talk about the Cowboys. we got to talk about the Cowboys just a little bit because um, I'm not going to say that you foreshadowed that Miami loss, but you did give the little nugget that the, the Cowboys hadn't won a road game against a double-digit win team of significance. Of significance, because there were some times where it, I guess the opposing team was already in the playoffs and their seating was already determined and they didn't even play their starters the whole game. And the Cowboys may have won one of those games. Uh, but you pointed out they hadn't beaten a double-digit team um, on the road and in, it was in December. Yeah, since 2009 when they beat Drew Brees. Of significance. Of significance, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the other ones, like I said, didn't matter. Yeah, a game that was really, really important to both teams. Yes, that mattered to both teams. And it showed up again. It showed up again for the Cowboys. Uh, just not being able to make enough plays in critical moments to be able to win that game against Miami. And Miami is a, a, a good team. I mean, that's a, a, a team. 11-4 and four now. Yeah, that, that's a good team, but – um, it, it, I think it's a cultural thing. You go that stat going all the way back to 2009. That's that's uh, that's coaches. That's you know, multiple starting quarterbacks, different coaches. Obviously, the makeup of the roster has changed a ton in that time. Uh, the leadership hasn't changed that much. Still got Jerry Jones there, but uh, to me, that's it's some something that the Cowboys have to deal with culturally. And I don't know if um, if this season they're gonna figure that out. Because they haven't really – all the playoff teams they've beaten, all the teams projected to be in the playoffs, um, they pretty much – they the, the Philadelphia Eagles win is the only one, I believe, where they have beaten a, a team that's projected to go to the playoffs. Um, that's a problem for the Cowboys because uh, they got to go on the road. And they're going to have to win a game on the road in the playoffs, and they got to beat good teams on the road in the playoffs. And here's the stat that stood out to me for the Cowboys – um, the Cowboys are now 1-7 in their last eight road games against nine-plus win teams. 
They beat the Vikings, the only 13-win team with a negative scoring differential in NFL history. Uh, last year, they beat them 40-3. to yeah. that was the, That's day one. That's day one. They won in seven in the last eight road games against teams with nine-plus wins, and their one win was against a team that inexplicably was able to win 13 games with the worst scoring differential for a 13-win team in NFL history. So I, I, I love what the Cowboys have done. It's, I'm not sure it's enough for them to compete for a Super Bowl. Can they get to the NFC title game still? Maybe. Well, and you, know, you combine the loss to Miami with the loss to Buffalo the week previous when they were really lame and weren't even competitive, at least against Miami on Saturday or Sunday. They were – I mean, it was 22 I – mean, they lost on a walk-off field goal. I mean, 22-20 is a heartbreaker. But, you know, again, it was a, a team that was inconsistent. They got the big touchdown pass to C.D. Lamb to put the first touchdown on the board, and they really went to sleep offensively for the next two quarters and found themselves down 19-10 to 10 and then yep. had to rally – and I give, you know, Dak and the offense credit. They took the lead, right? Uh, Brandon Aubrey, and they got a touchdown to Brandon Cooks and took the lead 20 to 19, but they left 327 on the clock in the NFL on the road. That's, you know, typically the a good team. The to step up, and they didn't. Yeah, and they couldn't get a, get a stop of Tua, uh, and they moved it down the field and uh, obviously were able to do exactly what they wanted to do. They bled, they bled every second of the 327 and kicked a field goal as time expired with Jason Sanders, and that's how the game ended. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's a – that's a foreshadowing of what's to come in January when you have to go on the road. And they couldn't run the ball rod. Rico Dowdle didn't play. And, you know, Tony Pollard, 12 carries, 38 yards. Uh, so the run game is still not where you want it. I know they played without Tyron Smith in that game. But that was a banged-up Dolphins team, too. Oh, yeah, the O-line was a mass unit, man. The Dolphins played with three or four three injured starters. offensive yeah, linemen. I was say, they had a couple of starters And out. then Jalen Waddle got hurt pretty early in the game. Um, Tyreek Hill was back, but they didn't have a full complement uh, of their offensive linemen and some key guys on defense. So that was a huge win for Miami and another disappointing big you know, road loss in December for the Cowboys. Chance to showcase uh, that they were a different team. Back to team. back. Yeah, that they have a different kind of uh, football culture now, and I – Listen, I think they are. I, I love the strides they've made. I'm still not sure if they're good enough to make it to the NFC title game. We'll see. I think I think they they're right there. I mean, they're second or third best team well, in the I NFC. Mean, trust me, Saturday night's game will be a, a, an indicator too. Now the Lions have already clinched the division. Uh, they did that last week with their win. Lions come in with Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, and that'll be a home game where the Cowboys have been beyond dominant this year. Uh, but this is a double-digit win team themselves who just want to, you know, and with the 49ers loss, yeah. which, I mean. The, the Detroit oh. Lions have a shot at the number one the, seed. Detroit Lions have a now shot at the need, one seed. Yeah, they need, like I said, they got a shot at the top seed. They need the uh, 49ers to, to lose again. Yeah. Uh, um, but which could happen. <laughs> um, but they, they, but Brock Purdy would have to have an implosion like he had versus the Ravens. Um, but uh, that was another performance too that we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, we'll get into that one because yes. I mean, the, both the Niners and the Lions are both eleven and four, and so there's you know the Lions have a lot to play for in this game, and the Cowboys are as we sit here this morning sitting in the five seed. The Eagles are in the in the two spot behind the Niners. But yeah, that Niners game, you know, four Brock Purdy interceptions. Mm-hmm. The you know the I mean as much as you know the Niners. It was surprising. You got to give the Ravens a ton of credit to go on the road, and they took it personal that they were a big underdog in that game. They took it personal that people were giving them no chance to win that game. And I think John Harbaugh really played that up, and uh, Lamar Jackson really played that up. And they played it. They didn't just beat the Niners; they drove the Niners. Man, they, they dominated the Niners. Yeah, no, it's that was uh, really impressive. Well, football is about matchups, and that ended up being a bad matchup for the Forty ers Now, who thought that was a bad matchup for the Forty ers But 
and this honestly kind of leads us to a Texas-Washington discussion because I've said this before. On paper, the 49ers were a better team. On paper. They were a better team. There's no question. Go look at all the all-pros they have. Go look at the way Brock Purdy was playing. Um, overall, you could say they had more advantages. If you check, check more boxes. But the advantages that the Ravens have – were uh, more distinct, <laughs> and I think their uh, advantages were much more um, effective and impactful than the advantage that the, the, the 49ers had. They had the best quarterback in that matchup. That was Lamar Jackson. You can argue they had the better head coach in that matchup, John Harbaugh, because he's accomplished more than my man Shano. Uh, and you could argue that their their strength, Baltimore Ravens' strength as an offense, was specifically matched up against a, a a a point of vulnerability for the 49ers because the 49ers are built on their pass rush will get home. That's why they got so many damn pass rushers. Right. My man Shadow has stacked the right. He stacked that defensive front with the best pass rush complement of pass rushers in the league. All right, so that's what they're pretty much built on, that their front will get home in the passing game. But you've got a, a, a quarterback like Lamar Jackson whose strength is he's the greatest potential athlete at the quarterback position ever, and he can extend plays. So your pass rush, although getting pressure, doesn't convert to sacks and doesn't get home. He can extend the play, and then he can exploit your secondary, which is your biggest weakness. Because you don't have all pros all, all throughout your secondary. You're all pros on your front seven. Yeah, That's where all your all pros are. That's where your elite pass rushers are. So once he neutralizes that with his ability to run around and extend the play, oh, man, easy pickings, baby. We're going after that secondary. And they did. Now, this is how it relates to the Texas-Washington game. Texas is a better team on paper. They are. But Washington has advantages where? Quarterback, head coach. Their, their strength is their passing game. I mean, the best passing offense in the country. And what is the weakness of Texas specifically? Passing defense. So that's why it's a better matchup than, than even on paper and even here and, you know, in terms of the analysis that we can break down is because we don't know which one of those advantages Texas is being a better overall roster and team or them having the better quarterback, potentially better not potentially that better head coach because Ken DeBoer, I mean, he's a hundred what hundred and three and eleven or something like that. <laughs> I mean, he's damn good. Sark's ascending, but so is he, and he's the coach of the year this year. Um, and their passing game, if if as you pointed out, Texas can't even get to Michael Penix like they did in last season. Yeah, they didn't sack Penix once last year. No negative it'll be a, plays. It'll be a long game. It will be. Well, look, I mean, uh, you yeah, know, he won the Joe Moore Award, by the way, for the best offensive line, which is something we'll get to. Yeah, Washington, and I'd say this for the Forty ers Ravens game. I mean, if you look at it on paper, I mean, Christian McCaffrey had 130 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. George Kittle had 126 yards receiving. Brandon Ayuk had 113 yards receiving. They moved the ball. It was just four turnovers. turnovers Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, yep. and a couple of them were tips. A couple of them were off hands. But at the same time, the, you know, gosh, the game Monday night, if either team wins the turnover battle 4 nothing, they're going to win the game. That's just period. It's End of football. story. Yeah. And that's what was really impressive to me on Monday night was that Ravens defense. I mean, the, the ability to force turnovers. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to say I gave up on the Ravens, but I soured a little bit on the Ravens when I saw them play the Rams. And the Rams, you know, went in there and the Ravens beat them. They beat them in overtime on a punt return. But they couldn't stop Matt Stafford, and they couldn't stop Puka Nakua, and they couldn't stop uh, Cooper Cup. They were just going up and down the field on them. And I thought, man, that, that, that defense I thought was elite. Maybe it's not as elite as I thought. Uh, but here we are against the Niners where they gave up yards, but they forced turnovers. They changed the game 
uh, by, by, by flipping the field the other way, and Lamar Jackson didn't have to be Superman. Lamar Jackson was good with 250 yards and two touchdowns, but – uh, and as you said, avoiding the pass rush, he didn't make the big mistakes. No. He didn't turn the football over. No, he did. And he, he, I think he just extended plays, which wore down the front. Yes. It wore down that 49 the front because he was chasing him all over the damn field. So by the time yeah. he got five, six plays in, that front was worn out. Yeah, he it ran was, for 45 and yeah, threw so for they, 250. They just, it just like great. It, that's why football's about matchups, man. It's just, it was a, that's a bad matchup for the 49ers when you break it down and look at it just because of Lamar Jackson. And getting back to that defense about the Ravens, though, that Ravens defense has faced uh, two of the NFL's four teams with 11 wins this season. They beat the Lions 38-6, to beat the 49ers 33-19. Wow. And we know Lamar Jackson's record versus NFC teams. Was he 20-1 and now? Yeah. Versus NFC teams. If you only see him once a year, it, it really does. You're shell-shocked, man, to see that kind of speed yeah. at quarterback, and it's hard to bring him down. It's hard to say the Ravens right now can't beat any team in the league. Well, and right now the AFC and the trip to the Super Bowl from that conference goes through Baltimore. Goes through Baltimore uh, now. Whether you're Miami or obviously Kansas City fading in a big, big way, whoever wins the, the you know, the, the South with Jacksonville, Houston. I mean, they're not, they're not really a threat to Baltimore. Jacksonville's struggling now, man. Jacksonville, Ooh, Indianapolis, Houston. Uh, hey, how about Cleveland? I mean, throw the Cleveland Browns in that conversation because the way Joe Flacco is playing, mm-hmm. three straight 300-yard games, yeah. you know, Amari Cooper – with a huge game against the Texans on Saturday, on Saturday, on Sunday, I mean, uh, you know, all of a sudden that 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 Browns team with the number one defense in the in all of football, yep. and a, all this resurgent Joe Flacco, who's not just managing; he's playing great football right now. Uh, that's incredible what they've done to get to double-digit wins in Cleveland. They could be a threat to Baltimore because they play them all the time, right? They're they're in the same division. They do know them that de- and they got the defense to neutralize them. I don't know if they have the offense, yeah, well, to go up against that defense right now. The way that that Ravens defense is playing. Yeah, uh, and obviously against Houston, they went up against Case Keenum and Davis Mills in that game. Uh, Houston will have C.J. Stroud back when they play a really big game. Remember the Ravens held this Houston at, what, nine points? And back then we thought, oh, Houston's offense is just yeah. it's going to be lackluster. Turns out the offense was really good. That Ravens defense is just pretty damn good. They are really good. They show up, man. They look yeah. like, the, uh, without a doubt, the team to beat uh, with a couple games to go in the regular season. And the ASC, NFC, uh, it's, it's in, you know, three teams at 11 and four, Eagles, Niners, and Lions. Now Lions play the Cowboys Saturday night. All right, we'll come back. Good stuff in Rod's rant from the NFL weekend. We'll take your thoughts, Cowboys fans. What say you? Back-to-back road losses to winning teams. Needed to uh, prove you could win one of those games. They couldn't. Now they come home to host the Lions. Uh, Texans hosting the uh, Tennessee Titans on Sunday with C.J. Stroud back as their starting quarterback and still a playoff spot out there. If Houston, by the way, if Houston beats Tennessee and then beats Indianapolis, my math says they're in as a playoff wow. team. But they got to do both of those. they got to beat Tennessee at home, then they have to go on the road and beat Indianapolis. If they do that, they'll get to 10 wins and be 10-7, and seven, and I think they're in as a wild card. Will they get C.J. back to do it? They do. C.J. will be back this week. There you go. He's practicing at least. He's out practicing. He's on the field. I think they feel like he's going to get through the concussion protocols and be ready to go for that game. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll pick it up with uh, Texas and Washington chatter. It is a Thursday edition of Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Appreciate your uh, conversation on the text line, 512-447-3776. This says, guys, in the Cowboys game, don't forget about the fumble on the one. You know, that was uh, mm. 
Yeah, it was one play after Tony Pollard I thought should have gotten in the end zone. I mean, he, he just doesn't have a known nose for the end zone, Rod. Yeah, he's not a uh, great short yardage goal line back. He looked like he had the edge, and uh, we've seen that all year where he, he comes up just short. I don't know um, how he missed that. And, good, you know, it was a good effort play by the linebacker for the Dolphins, but, yeah, it came up just an inch short, and then they – Tried to hand it to the fullback and fumbled it. Uh, Lep- Le- Lepke on the next play, and obviously those were seven points the Cowboys could never get back, and uh, that was critical. And that's what we've talked about a lot with the Cowboys, Rod. The, the second guess is, you know, they didn't go after a Derrick Henry. They didn't address, you know, kind of a power running back in the draft or in free agency or even in the tr- before the trade deadline. And I think it's come back to get them. They didn't have Rico Dowdle for that game, and he's been their better goal line player. Yeah, this year, and trust me, as somebody who's as a fantasy owner of Tony Pollard, we saw that all year where he couldn't find the end zone. He did score some touchdowns, but not nearly what. Uh, not in short yardage. Like Zeke Elliott had like thirteen touchdowns last year for the Cowboys, yeah. if I remember right. And Ty talked about that that they they just didn't have a short yardage back, and that I think that's hurt them a couple. It hurt them in the Eagles game when they lost on the road at Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Hurt them at Arizona when they lost to the Cardinals earlier this year on the road, where they couldn't pound one in when they needed to. I mean, Dak Prescott didn't turn the ball over in that game. Outside, of, he didn't throw a pick. I know that, and they still lost the game twenty two twenty. That was tough. This says Jets have to be kicking themselves for not signing Joe Flacco. I think there's a lot of Jets fans wondering, well, why didn't we sign Joe Flacco when Aaron Rodgers got hurt on the fourth play of the season? Yeah, because their blueprint could be very similar to the Browns. Yes. Really good defense, keeps you in the game. You see the quarterback that can, you know, either go win the game for you when you need to or be able to put together some sustained drives to give your defense a break. That's what Flacco's doing. He's playing winning football. It's almost like they – He's playing winning football. Did they really think Zach Wilson was going to be better? Is that really Uh, what they thought? They had – he was the backup. Well, I think think two things happened over the weekend with the NFL. I think Lamar Jackson is now your clear leader for MVP – yeah, which, you know what, and it's not a statistical for him to, it, I don't think it's statistically why he is separating himself from the pack, right? It ain't statistics. It's now that he has the biggest wins. Yes. And his team now is the front runner to get the number one seed. This would be a good year for a co-MVP. Yeah. It would be a good year for it. You know what I mean? Give it to somebody who actually has achieved statistically. And you know what? I wouldn't even care if it's somebody who's not a quarterback. Well, that's where Christian McCaffrey he had a big game against the Ravens. Yeah, he didn't throw any interceptions. Yeah, you can do it. Give it to him. Well, and uh, Ravens, I mean, John Harbaugh said it was an MVP-like performance he had. He had almost 300 total yards against that Ravens defense uh, through the air and on the ground. And I think in that Browns game against the Texans on, on Sunday, you know, I think Kevin Stefanski is your coach of the year. I mean, that guy, what that guy's done, not like they haven't had injuries, Rod. I mean, they've lost no. Nick Chubb. They've lost key guys. They've lost both their tackles, uh, two or three big offensive linemen that they've lost. And here they are at 10-5 and five and – you know, Joe Flacco is playing great. And he's, I mean, he's playing really good. He made some high-level throws in that. Te- I mean, the Texans couldn't cover Amari Cooper, who went for, gosh, mm-hmm. 265 yards receiving in that game. That's right now. Come on, man. They couldn't stop one guy. I mean, game-wrecked. Uh, that's on, I mean, D'Amico. Yeah. Come on, man. you got to find somebody. Yeah. I mean, you got good players out there. Can we Can we not let this one guy shred it? Because the, the Browns couldn't run the ball. Uh, they didn't run the ball at all. They just attacked that secondary, and Joe Flacco with 368, 265 of them to one guy. Yeah, that's why I, I, I kind of feel like, and I said this a couple weeks ago, I kind of feel like the Texans were peaking, and that, that's not a bad thing. That's for the team. that They have already, you know, exceeded expectations. Uh, but I, I don't know. I feel like now you're starting to see them play some of their worst football defensively, 
and that's D'Amico's well, side of the ball. You get the stat that they've played so many different players. They've been so banged up. Yeah. I mean, so many. And in that game alone, they, they lost Jonathan Gennard went out in that game. Yeah. They just keep – there's like a mash unit. they got to figure out in their training room this offseason, what the heck, man. You get, was it just a bad luck? Or you, you guys, why are you getting so many injuries? You know what? It's unbelievable. That is something to consider because the 49ers have had some of the worst injury luck in the NFL in the last five years. Uh, the, the Ravens actually were in that situation, too, a couple of years ago. Remember how bad their injury luck was? Yeah. Um, and I wonder if D'Amico, some of the things that he's taken from the 49ers, maybe adding to some of the injury rates. But that's obviously just a hypothesis. Nothing, that, there's yeah. no evidence to back just, it up. But it is. You're right. They, they've used the second most unique players in the NFL behind, like, the Panthers. So it's amazing what they've done. But getting back to Kevin Stefanski and how it remarkable. Remember this guy, they were talking about him getting fired. Yes. Like his job was going to be on the line. And now they're talking about him winning coach of the year. I, I'm with you. I think he has solidified his case. They not only have started four different quarterbacks, and this is a team that's winning double-digit games is going to be a playoff team, but also this is a team with 26%. 26% of their salary cap is on injured reserve. In Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's – I mean, That's crazy. And, you know, and they'd be getting ripped in Cleveland big time if if because Baker Mayfield's playing great, right? He is and, playing and, great. But Joe Joe Flacco has come off his mom's couch and is saving him, and yeah. he's playing good football. Baker Mayfield might be being comeback player of the year. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be. And the, Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers, who might do the Cowboys play in the uh, wild card round of the playoffs in a few weeks. I know, and Mike Evans is balling too. He is. All right, so there's some NFL coming off a, uh, a long weekend. A lot of uh, eyeballs on the NFL this weekend, without a doubt, including that uh, that Cowboys game, one of the most viewed games of the year, Cowboys-Dolphins on uh, Christmas Eve Always evening. Is. Oh, man, that was that was a heck of a finish, uh, without a doubt. But, Rod, we're all uh, drilling down and getting into this uh, Texas-Washington game. Obviously, four days out now, four days and, you know, 12 hours or 14 hours, whatever it is now, mm-hmm. to the 745 kick at the Sugar Bowl. You've kind of said all month you think Texas is going to win the game. Are you still are you feeling good? Or where are you, what's your yeah, level still, of uh, confidence in this game? For no, the I still feel good. I, I do believe Texas is going to win the game, but I do believe it was still, it's, it's, it's going to come down to the wire. I mean, I think it's going to come down to potentially the last drive of the game who has the ball last. Uh, and yeah, Michael Penix has got the clutch gene. They have the clutch gene as a team, actually. Uh, Washington has made clutch plays in clutch moments all year. I think he's got – Five for uh, game-winning drives in his career. Two of those have come this season. Uh, one against Oregon early on in the year, uh, and we've seen Texas in the fourth quarter play some of their best football. I think it actually is going to come down to whoever can make those uh, clutch plays in critical moments down the stretch. One thing I was looking at because I know their defense gets a lot of uh, criticism. People have talked about how bad their defense is, and it's not a great defense. It's not a well-rounded defense, and it's not necessarily consistent defense. But I've, I've looked at some of the games. I've looked at most of their games, actually, and their defense has made clutch plays in big games and timely plays in big games. You go look at that that Arizona game. They it was like thirty one seventeen Washington um, up in the fourth quarter, and then uh, Washington gets an interception. Uh, and I believe while Arizona's driving in the fourth quarter, uh, and they held Arizona to zero points after a thirteen uh, play drive in that game uh, versus Oregon. They held Oregon. We all remember famously to zero of three, zero for on those fourth down conversions that potentially won the game for Washington, along with Penix and his clutch play. Arizona State, people talk about that one. That's the one game that uh, Washington, uh, I think, didn't even score an offensive touchdown. They right. won 15-7 to because they had a pick six in the second half, and 
uh, in the fourth quarter. They forced, I think, three uh, three and out the next drive right after that pick six. Defense basically went out and won the game for them. Uh, no offensive touchdowns. Four turnovers for that Washington offense in that game. They man, That was basically their worst offensive performance, but the defense went and won the game for them. Uh, that Utah game, they won 35-28, three three and outs in the second half for the defense. Uh, they had two interceptions uh, and a safety force by the defense in the second half. That was big. Uh, 22-20 win over Oregon State. Um, in that game, I think it was 9-7. Washington was up by two points because the defense had a safety in the first half. Uh, three takeaways in that game for the defense. So they've made clutch plays. Uh, they're just not a good defense, but I've seen them come up big in yeah, critical I mean, moments. Yeah, the, the clutch is the key. And, you know, their defensive coordinator is Bob Gregory, who was was promoted to that role when Pete Kwiatkowski left to come to Texas. Hmm. So he was with Pete, with PK, yeah. uh, and Kalen, Kalen DeBoer kept him. And, you know, he got the job, said, so, you know, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, the, statistically not great. But, again, let's say this about Washington. Everybody, you know, Texas fans will point out uh, – yeah, I keep talking to Longhorn fans who point out how – uh, their close losses and instead of their quality yep. wins being 13 and 0 you also point out their pass defense but they played three of the top 5 pass offenses in the country this year yep. and they beat them right they they still won the game yeah. uh that's important so the stats you know what is it was it's Bill Parcells, stats are for losers. You know what I mean? But stats, yeah, that's a stat. It's crazy you said that. Chris Peterson described the defense as that. He said this is a stats are for losers defense. Yeah, well, because again, I watched the entire Oregon game the first time, and their red zone defense is why they won the game. They they kept Bo Nix out of the end zone. Now, now uh, Dan Lanning probably should kick some field goals in that game. Instead, yep. he kept going for it, going trying to get the touchdown. But their their goal, their red zone defense was outstanding in that game. Uh, and you know, gosh, think about when when they. They played Washington, played Oregon again in the in the Pac-12 championship game. They got out to the big lead, but then it looked like Oregon had taken control of the game, come back, and we're going to win the game. Their defense stepped up big time in the fourth yeah. quarter of that game. So that's what you have. You have two really resilient teams that have a lot of high football character that find ways to win. And as you said to start this conversation, it's the team that makes those those big plays in critical moments. Both of these teams, if you you know take away a couple of plays against Oklahoma, Texas has made critical plays in big moments this year to avoid losses and to win games. Uh, Washington's done the same. Uh, speaking of coaches that were retained by Kevin DeBoer when he came on as when he came on as head coach, Scott Huff is another one who is the offensive line coach. They kept him from uh, that Jimmy Lake regime uh, there before Kevin DeBoer got there. And now this offensive line has claimed the Joe Moore Award, which is the uh, award given to the best overall offensive line in the country. And here's the crazy part. That is offensive line has featured seven different players and four different lineups throughout the season. And they uh, believe they're fifth and fewest sacks allowed in the country, only 11 sacks. But the offensive line has only been responsible for five sacks total. Uh, Roger Rosengarten, he is the right tackle. He's allowed zero sacks uh, all season long. And I believe uh, Fautanu uh, is the other tackle, and he's allowed, I believe, two sacks all season long. The the biggest surprise has been the center because they had a sixth-year center who initially started the season. He was uh, Mateo Mele. He, was the, he started at the first game, and he got hurt in week two. They had to move Parker Brailsford over. He was a redshirt freshman guard. They moved over to center. Everybody assumed, man, this is going to be a disaster. Um, it was not. It was actually the opposite. It solidified the offensive line. They put two fifth-year juniors at guard, Nate Kalepo and Julius Bulo. And those guys, although they've had some injuries in there a couple of times uh, so far this season, 
they have really been uh, kind of the stabilizing force for that young center who's in there. And he's the, he the young center everybody's talking about who's 280 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He's probably up to about 285 pounds right now. But Bros has been great, and they really do hide him really well. They don't overburden him. Usually when he's going to make a block, it'll be they'll give him help with one of those guards. It'll be a duo block. Um, they, do, they do an interesting – uh, inside run concept, or at least they execute one where they will duo block at the point of attack and they will zone block the rest. Really helps out that young center. I think that's why they do it. But keep in mind that's that's their offensive line, although a kind of strange path to get there. They're considered to be the best O line in the country, and they're the best pass blocking O line in the country. That's why that matchup between uh, Texas defensive line, defensive front, and this O line. As Chris Peterson said, it could easily come down to being the determining factor in the matchup. Good stuff right there. Yeah, pressure on Phoenix will be key, but they don't give up a lot of pressure. That's why they won the Joe Moore Award. I think a lot of interior pressure. You've talked about second-level interior yep. pressure, an Anthony Hill type of thing. Uh, Jalen Ford maybe coming on some uh, uh, some blitzes up the middle, trying to get at Phoenix yep. uh, a little bit to force him out of the pocket. Uh, but you can't let him get comfortable. He's too good. And I'm assuming the Washington fans are saying about Quinn Ewers, too. they got to get to him or else Quinn Ewers will pick him apart uh, in that secondary. Yep. All right, we'll talk about it more as we move forward. Texas and Washington uh, will hit some bullish or BS coming back as well uh, ahead of the end of our second hour of our five-hour Thursday morning conversation. Good to be back with you here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook Em Up is back, and we appreciate uh, you being back with us. Hope you had a good, a great holiday season, whatever it entailed for you, travel or just uh, gathering with family and friends and celebrating the season. Tis the season. Tis and, uh, the season. Certainly bullish on a couple days down, and uh, actually, Rod, with a couple days off, I just I, like almost specifically put my phone away. Just didn't really want to take much in because we've been grinding pretty good through this football season, uh, five hours a day, every single day. But uh, it's great to be back and really locked in and ready to go for this game, uh, Texas and Washington. Time for bullish and BS. And this text on the line on the uh, text line, Rod says, "I think the Horns win the line of scrimmage too physical." Are you bullish or BS on that statement? That having, I went back and watched the Washington-Oregon game. The one thing that stands out, Oregon is a very smallish defensive front, but they're quick and they're fast, they're athletic. Yeah. Texas, we know, this is the biggest and most physical defensive front they've faced. Yes. Uh, Utah, I guess, would be the closest thing to it. Uh, but even, I mean, no one has what, what Texas has with Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and the physicality of this Texas front. Mm-hmm. That, that needs to be an advantage for Texas. They really need to... Last time Washington was in the 14 playoff with Chris Peterson was 2016, and they played Alabama, and they couldn't handle the physicality and the yeah. speed of that Alabama team. Yeah, uh, I, think, I don't think the speed will be anything for uh, Washington to have to adjust to. Uh, certainly the uh, imposing presence of Tavondre Sweat, best interior uh, D-tackle in the country, and also another top 10 D-tackle in the country, Byron Murphy, is something to deal with. I, I think Kalen DeBoer and his coaching staff, we just talked about the offensive line. Uh, they've allowed 18 sacks in the last two years. Uh, only, it's a pretty stunning number, by the yeah, way. Yeah, only 11 sacks they've allowed this entire season. They, they're really good, and only, I think, nine less than 9.5% of all of the pressure on Penix is converted into a sack. He's really good 
at getting rid of the football because he's so comfortable in this system. He's been in this system, guys, for how long? Six I mean, years. I mean, I mean he's he been in the system Indiana, for a really long Washington, time. Yeah. yeah, so think about that. Was the, the only quarterback to be Texas was a quarterback who had been working in the system for like five Dylan years. Dylan Gabriel, yeah. All right, comfort. There's a comfort level in that system because you know it so well. So you're not panicked. You're not freaking out when you know things aren't operating or things aren't on schedule. And that, and I think him getting rid of the football analytics will tell you most sacks are actually attributed to the quarterback position. He doesn't allow uh, the pressure to convert into sacks. He gets rid of the football pretty quickly because of his comfort in that system, and he can move around. They move the pocket, and they will on Texas. They will move that pocket. I even wonder, getting back to the Oklahoma uh, matchup, if they'll try to go up-tempo at times. They don't because usually they're operating, I think, you know, at a slower pace because they want to do a lot of pre-snap moving and shifts. But they could go up-tempo just to surprise Texas to break tendency every now and then to try to wear out that defense or front a little bit early on for Texas when they don't expect it. That's what happened in that Oklahoma game, that tempo wore Texas defense or front out a little bit late in that game. They were not as effective. Yeah, well, and to your point, I mean, to the point we've said, I mean, they Texas didn't have a sack last year. I know last year doesn't matter, but it is. It would be silly not to use that game as just a you know, oh, yeah. to, to watch the film and see the Straight matchups. Starting point uh, to because look, Texas, you know, they're better on the front this year uh, under Bo Davis, but a lot of the same guys, right? Uh, and they handled the physicality last year uh, pretty darn well. So that becomes mm-hmm. and, and and as you said, you can't just Kalen Borders the board is not going to leave him back there. No, to, to, for him to get they gonna, will address to Andre. There will be a plan and a yes. contingency plan for Sweat and Byron Murphy. I assure you. Yeah, and yeah. to your question of how many, uh, he, he he didn't start in 2018 at Indiana, but he did uh, get in, you know, he did play in some games uh, in, at Indiana in 2018, but was the full time starter in 2019, 2020, 2021 at Indiana, and then transferred to Washington. So this is about the sixth year in the system for him. Yeah, he's like I said, he's wor- he, he knows this system really well. And you can tell watching him. He, there's a comfort level that he has. Uh, but Texas, Texas game plan last year, guys, was a good game plan. They just allowed too many rushing yards, which they won't this year, and they allowed too many third down and fourth down conversions, which they won't this year. Those are top five categories defensive in Texas. Last year they were uh, middle of the road, average to below average. And, that, and you know, again, the, the comp is, as we say, you know, in bullish or BS, um, you know, you know, matchups make fights, and yes, they and it looked as you you said the last time Texas played a quarterback that was just familiar with the system was Dylan Gabriel. Mm-hmm. This team, you know, looks like that type of offense, right? Yeah. Uh, with a quarterback and receivers, and maybe not maybe they're they're more talented on the outside than what Oklahoma had in that football game. And I'll give you this little fact, a little fact in bullish or BS rod. Uh, in his career, either in Indiana or Washington, uh, Michael Penix has att- attempted nearly sixteen hundred passes, fifteen hundred and ninety six. He's been sacked thirty one times. Well, say that again. In fifteen hundred and ninety-six attempts in his career, he's been sacked thirty-one times. Damn. He's That's a hard a guy to get to. He is a hard guy to get to. That's not all offensive line. No, it is because early on in his career, I think he was more mobile. He was a track star coming out of high school, guys. He was, he was a track guy. And then he so hurt he blew his knee out against he, Michigan. Yeah, then he kept hurting his knees, so he became less mobile. But he can move, and now he's got an offensive line that to add to complement his ability to extend plays, move around a little bit. Yeah, and he's left-handed, which is kind of awkward, a little bit awkward. So I think that helps him a little bit too. That's a that's an eye popper. Thirty-one sacks all in 31? his career. Thirty-one. Yeah. yeah, he just his sack avoidance is one of his X-man abilities. He avoids sacks really well. Yeah, which keeps plays alive and allows him to push the ball down the field. You talk about the the, the vertical passing game they like to employ got to have time and you got to be able to avoid rush and move in the pocket to be able to push the ball down the field exactly those right. those aren't quick plays right oh man it takes time it takes time it takes time
All right, Rod, you ready for hour three of our five-hour conversation? It'll include some behind the burn orange curtain. We'll hear more from Sark. Fine, baby. Sark and the Longhorns landed in NOLA yesterday, and then uh, Sark's met with the media, so we'll hear more from that coming up. Also, Kalen DeBoer, uh, same thing. We'll hear his thoughts on Texas. Uh, we'll get to all of it. We'll also talk more Cowboys. NFL Week 16 kicks off tonight. Got a lot going on. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. <laughs> 